Hello and welcome to the Drunken Primarchs podcast. We drink booze and talk about GW's news. I'm Zan. I'm David. And I'm Craig. So boys, what have you been up to this week? David? So I got the new Pariah book and I got the new Inquisitor figure and I got Ephrael Stern. Uh, So I've been building them up. I've also been painting a colossal squig from Forge World ready for my um, intended armies on parade board if if the great unspeakable allows that to take place this year and oh, it, it also <laughs> also got round to painting up the catechin kernel nice nice and how about you craig i have been finishing up some of the orc items that i have including a two squads of 10 gretchen which will form part of the meat shield for the force and finishing up one of the orc trucks I will then be starting on another squad of five Storm Boys, which will give me a fairly well-balanced force. Sounds all right. Sounds all right, there. I've only painted one model this week, and it's still not finished, but I've been painting up a Crusader because I wanted to try out some uh, true metallics. I've tried my hand at non-metallics, so I thought I'd go for the other way and try and do the silver as true metallic and get some nice sheen and variance through that shield of theirs. Nice. So now we've got that out of the way, we've got a lot to get through this session. With the announcement of 9th edition and the rules finally being released for us to look at, let's have a look through those. But first of all, let's finish off 8th edition the way it's meant to be done. The final Psychic Awakening book. David, I believe you're our man that can with this one. Absolutely. So I got the new Pariah book. In the run-up to its release, there was criticism around its content basically feeling that there wasn't enough in the way of sisters of battle rules of necron rules and that maybe it was a bit of a washout for a final book having a look at it now i'm happy with it i'm pleased with it it's true there's not that much which is new but it is a nice ending for psychic awakening so looking through it we've got the inquisition rules which are in the main, a reprint of the White Dwarf Index Inquisition, which came out last year or earlier this year. Um, yes. Can anybody that's not part of Malleus and in the Inquisition now take power armor, or is it still Malleus only? So, just to put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> the only ones that can take, are we talking Terminator armor or power armor? Yes. So the only Inquisitor that has Terminator armor is the data sheet for Ordo Malleus Inquisitor in Terminator armor. In terms of the other models, Greyfax has power armor. The new Inquisitor, Draxus, has power armor. Inquisitor Kotiaz, the one with the awesome eagle on his arms, he seems to have some kind of artificer armor because he's got his two plus save and normal inquisitors bog standard inquisitors do not have an option of taking power armor they've got their four plus save that disappoints me but it's it's a perfectly serviceable list for them there's the usual acolyte jacaro 
uh, Damon Host, and then the Inquisitors themselves. They they've made it much clearer using keywords that Inquisitors themselves can be taken in a detachment with the Imperium keyword without the detachment losing its uh, abilities like tactical doctrines for space marines. It does mean that you can't sneak in any acolytes, daemon hosts, jacaros. Uh, the only slight exception to that is Eisenhorn can summon a daemon host during the battle, which means that as long as you leave the points in reserve in your reserves pool, then you can kind of get around that limitation because the daemon host isn't there in your starting army list, so you're not losing your tactical doctrines. But that's more of a, an oddity. He always finds a way around the system, doesn't he? <laughs> of course. Then I don't think we'll see that many Inquisitor detachments because really you've oh, you can only take a Vanguard detachment because you've only got HQs and elites. You're going to struggle to round it out to be a large enough force to to make your 1,000 point, 1,500 point armies, meaning that you'll be taking it as a supplemental detachment, meaning you're losing command points just by taking them. Unless you make your Inquisitor the Warlord and take a, a different type of detachment to, to lose fewer CP, but even then, you're compromising straight away. It's most likely that in ninth edition we'll start seeing single inquisitors in Imperium forces because you can slot them in there, and they do have some fun rules. They are worth their points. The new Lord Inquisitor can use smite, but the dragon on her arm lets her target that smite, so you can target any enemy unit within eighteen inches, and not just closest. So that's a really useful character assassination option. But these are small, subtle things, not game-winning tactics that we can use with them. Uh, moving on to the heroes and villains section, that's where we get Ethriel Stern and Kaiganil, the Harlequin. Uh, these are the new Sister Battle and Harlequin model based on some really old but now re-released characters from Black Library's past. Everybody and can get your hands on it. If you can get your hands on it, that's right. These are really nice. 115 points for both of them. They can be included in any Imperium detachment without taking up a slot, as long as every unit in your army has the Imperium keyword. So much like the Inquisitors, you can just chuck them in your army in a detachment as long as it's Imperium. They can be set up in reserves and appear at the end of one of your movement phases coming out of the webway. At the start of every shooting phase, Ephrael Stern rolls 2d6 and adds 2 to the result if she's near any chaos units. Then on a 5+, plus, a nearest unit within 18 inches suffers d3 unit. D3 wounds. Uh, if the result is nine or more, they suffer D6 wounds. So it's basically a much a better smite every turn without being a psyker. If she's next to Kaiganel, she gets a five plus feel no pain save. She has a four plus invulnerable save and a three plus normal save. 
and with six wounds, she will take some smashing down. Unlike most sisters, she's got strength and toughness of four as well. So she is, for a character in an Imperium army, a bit of a tank. And Kaganil gets eight attacks in combat, only at strength three and AP minus one, but still for getting rid of chaff that's trying to bog you down, like guard or little gene stealer gribblies, that is a really useful function to have. So Efriel and Kaganil make up a team for 115 points, can be slotted into any Imperium army. And again, it, it's nice and offers you something different. I don't know how much they will turn up in armies. I'll try and make use of them a few times just to see how they play, but they look promising. Uh, as I'm not an, a Necron player, I've not really looked at Illuminar Ceres, the the new updated data sheet for that character. I'll ha- We can have a look back through him maybe after the release of the new box set when there's some more Necrons available to be used for playtesting. The final thing in the Pariah book is the Theatres of War, which are really nice narrative play scenarios or, or battlefields, which you can use. Everyone gets stratagems, terrain rules and twists. So, for example, you can play a battle in the webway. You, for the twist, you roll a D3. If you rolled a two, players cannot gain or be refunded command points throughout the game. You might have different terrain traits so on a d3 if you roll a one at the start of each battle round each player nominates three different terrain features roll a d6 to select one of these until the end of the battle round models do not gain benefit of cover from that uh, selected terrain feature so it represents that shifting pattern that you get in webways and there's half a dozen of these different theatres of war representing demon worlds, tyranid raided worlds, hive worlds, a forge world. So these are really great ways just to give your battlefield terrain a bit of extra interactivity during the battle. I think it'll be fun to play, but I don't think it's something that you'll regularly do because it's yet another set of rules that you need to refer back to while you're playing to slow the game down so i imagine a fun one or two games with it and then left behind and ignored and that's uh, sorry uh, yeah it certainly sounds like um, the theater of war is probably the better aspect to that uh prior book if it's adding all those different uh, functionalities into the the battle as you said to make it a little bit more interesting hopefully we'll yes. see that in the new chapter approved as well I'm not sure whether we will because we've seen chapter approved stuff reprinted in the Psychic Awakenings rather than the other way around. So I would be surprised if we saw Psychic Awakening book content move over to the chapter approved. It sounds like they've almost used it as a beta, like a, a test for the new terrain rules that they're bringing in, like adding those effects in at that point to see how people react to it. Again, assuming that it was meant to be released a month ago rather than what, three weeks before the, the new rules come out, the new box sets are, arrive. I can see that perspective, but I think the beta has already been done with uh, Age of Sigma. They already have the sort of terrain effects like that. I think this might just be purely to try and 
get people to buy that last pariah, you know, the last Psychic Awakening book, the pariah book. And as I say, potentially introducing a new way of playing the game into 40k that you had in Sigma, you know, trying to shift that up. Somebody sat there and went, we need to have this last book. We've got four characters, let's fill something in for the rest of it. So the um, the Harlequin and the uh, Ethereal Stern models, are they 115 points each or 115 for the birth? 115 for the pair of them. That's, considering the stats that you've just read out, that is really great price for the points. I I can see them turning up in Imperium forces. They they're oddities because they they don't necessarily supplement a tactic of any specific army. What they'll do is offer something different for most Imperium armies, which I really like the idea of. Well, it gives you a um, a cheap psych of cast smite, effectively, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, it, it gives you smite in the shooting phase, so it can't be denied. It gives you a character with six wounds, a three plus save, four plus invulnerable, and a five plus uh, feel no pain save. Yeah, there's there's some really good stuff there, and I think it's going to be interesting just to see how it goes. Absolutely. Yeah. To, uh, to see where they show up and, and where they're used in. I am considering it for my custodians, if I'm honest with you. I can understand that. I think it'll be a really nice thing to see in a custodian's army or, or any army. It, it's offering something different um, in, in any Imperium army, really. The last really interesting thing about the Pariah book is one of the little stories uh, drops hints at the re-emergence of space dwarves, of the squats, which I think is fantastic to to even read about because it's, Games Workshop basically denied the existence of squats for a decade after they were written out in second edition. We suddenly lost any reference to squats right the way up to Necromunda a couple of years ago, got the, a couple of squat characters. But we've got this section in Pariah, which reads as follows. Repeat, we are 42 days galactic due west of Trajax Void Station, approaching subsector 47 Grendel. Grendel is actually one of the names of the one of the Necromunda squat bounty hunters. Uh, on the periphery of galactic core, we were caught by some kind of weaponized gravitational field and interrogative. What is that by the Omnissiah? Said emanation is the originating from that vessel. Attend the markings from its hull. This cannot be. Official archival dogma cites them rendered extinct. Empirical evidence cannot be denied, no matter how heretical its truth. That vessel belongs to squats. Now, I've filled in some blanks which have been dropped out using dot, dot, dots or or just missing words here and there. But that's what it says. A lot of what has been written in previous psychic, psychic awakening books has come to fruition. So a few 
Psychic Awakening books ago, there were references to uh, Ephriel Stern, and then she turns up in Pariah. So I wonder if in ninth edition we will see the reemergence of Squash, which as a long-time player makes me really excited. I mean, it makes sense. The fact they've turned scissors into plastic, it doesn't surprise me that, that squats have been on the radar for them. I must admit, I don't think we'll see a full release. I think they'll fold in and fill in part of the guard. Especially if they're saying it, it's one ship. Because unless they can breed like hobbits. Well, in the book, they've only seen one ship, but... We did see and hear a little bit about them in Battlefleet Gothic. The Demiurge were the Squats, uh, the name given to the Squats. So it's a. I think I don't think we'd see them bunched in with in with Guard because they're Xenos. So I don't think we would get that put in. They were part of the Imperial forces. Like no. Ulgrin and Ratlins. They weren't originally in second edition. They were their own army. But I I think that the fact that in second edition fluff, they were sharing their technology with the humans made it different, difficult for Games Workshop to fit that in with the new more streamlined and black and white version of space history so they were written out if we think back right the way to first edition the original ultramarine psyker the ultramarine librarian was half elder so these are things that have been written out of games workshops backstory for a lot of these characters yeah yeah, and all of a sudden, Gilliman's bringing back by an Eldar character makes so much more sense. Uh, You've got half Eldars running around his chapter. <laughs> yeah, but the Ultramarine uh, history gets overwritten at a regular basis. I would imagine that if Squats were to return, it would be as a index entry in a White Dwarf magazine. No, they they wouldn't do that. They'd either do it full release or they'd attach it onto something else. It wouldn't just be an index entry. I probably a twelve model run, the same as they did with custodies when they brought those in. That's what I'd expect to see if they're being their own force, something that they can expand on, but gives them a good starting point without throwing lots of money into them. Yeah, but I don't see them writing entire new codex for them, because by the sounds of it, and I don't know much about squats about from what I've just learned from David there, it doesn't sound like they are large enough of a force to really justify the outlay of a codex. I think if they are going to introduce them, it would be as an index in a white dwarf, garner the responses and see how well it does, and then maybe expand on the range. It would be interesting to see what they do, or if they do anything. It might just be a an Easter egg for long-time players who recognise the squats. But I think, I suspect that we might see something which is more of a, a smaller list, like in a White Dwarf or a Chapter Approved, and then expanded out. Really, they're... Analog in Age of Sigmar is the Caradon overlords, the the skyfaring dwarves. 
and they've got a full book and a full range. So I think that Games Workshop are really capable of fleshing out an entire range off the back of a concept. So I wouldn't be shocked if we did see a full codex release, but given what they did with Sisters of Battle, which is wait for a long time before delivering any kind of codex, making that a beta codex, see how things were doing. And then when they introduced the plastic range, they then introduced new characters to that range as well, is probably more of what we would end up seeing. That would be my suspicion anyway. Like I say, I, I personally, I'd suspect that they'd go along the line of, of the custodies where they did like a 12-model a range, which was three four boxes and the existing tanks of the Imperium, because that, that gives them a nice range to go off and they can expand it later. Yeah. I mean, for all you know, the squad's been hiding in the um, Imperium Palace for the last 10,000 years. No, the, the Gone Boys would know. I doubt it. I mean, you know, they could be hidden under tables. They could be anywhere. I, I mean, fair enough. I just, it doesn't surprise me that they've gone down this route with the the conversions that we've been seeing in regards to them using the Caradon overlords. It doesn't surprise me that they've been looking to bring them back, to be honest with you. I just hope they follow it up by the final request people have, which is a plastic Thunderhawk. <laughs> and I don't mean for aeronautica. Uh, I, I don't see you. I don't think you'll ever see that. I don't think the Thunderhawk is mainstream enough, and I don't. I, I don't really think enough players would really want to have a Thunderhawk on the table when there are many other more capable flyers. You could have said that about a Baneblade ten years ago, though. Yeah, or a Stomp yep. or an Imperial Knight. Yeah, but you know, a Bimblade is all you need. That's that's an entire force right there. So is a Thunderhawk. It can carry thirty guys. It's got las cannons and bolters everywhere. It's got missile racks and a Mac cannon. Sorry, not a Mac cannon. It it performs the same as a Mac cannon, but it's like a barrage cannon. I think it's called. And it's thirty guys. Devastating. Get thirty Space Marines. I mean, a Bimblade can hold forty, which is. You know, about 12 or so Ogrins, and I'd rather not have to go up against 12 or so Ogrins charging out of that. But can, can a Baneblade carry Primaris? And I think that's the big question. Yeah, because it's the only fly that can, at this present time, carry Primaris Marines. It said Baneblade, not Thunderhawk. <laughs> and I would imagine a Baneblade would be big enough for Primaris Marines to uh, sit in there comfortably. I, I suspect we'll see it eventually one day maybe it would definitely be nice yeah I think it would look a lot different to the one that they have in the Heresy series to take it out of Forge World's remit and that would be the only way we'd get it but then is it a Thunderhawk if they have to redesign it I mean it depends to what level they redesign it let's be honest yeah I guess, but if you redesign it too much, you might as well just go, this is not a Thunderhawk, this is a Lightning Crow. I mean, it, it's that, or we'll see something like the Overlord finally released in plastic, which is the Primaris Flyer, but it's meant to be as big as a Songbird with two capsules underneath, like a Corvus Blackstar. 
Fair enough. Meant to be huge and carry 60 Primaris. Wow, that's uh, that's a lot. Yeah. Not something yeah. I would look to uh, go up against. Yeah, I think the the best equivalency you could put it to at the moment is an Imperial Manta. One of the Tau Manta type uh, flyers. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a piece of scenery. You'll never actually use it. <coughs> I think I was looking that up actually. I think the uh, Tau Manta is only about two thousand points to field on the. Um, well, to field it. They've dropped that last time I looked. I think it was about four thousand. I mean, that's without weapons. Uh, ah. But that was in the um, last year's chapter approved. Right. I mean, it's the fact that it is the size of a 2x2 two two tile, so you could actually play a game on the back of a Manta. Yeah, you could get one of those, and that would be your table for a, is it a Crusade, the uh, new format they've got for 9th edition. Uh, I think so. It would be, uh, be from the, the smaller format for definite. But Yeah, yeah but I think it is the Crusade when it's the sort of 30 to 40 minutes, uh, 25 power, I think, yes. in total. Um, uh, combat patrol that's the one that's close so on that note I've been Zan I've been David and I've been Craig we've been drinking you've been listening have a good day This was a Drunken Primark production. Opening and closing music was provided by Punk Rock Opera. Thank you for listening.